Well, hello, good morning, and welcome back to the daily. This episode finds you on the 29th of March, Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, the daily is back for a special Passion Week edition. We'll be taking this week to just frame our hearts, our minds, even as we anticipate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday this weekend. This glorious day in church history, in human history really, where Jesus defeated death, hell and the grave. It is cause for celebration, it is cause for us to ponder, it is cause for us to worship. And so, ladies and gentlemen, it's so good to be back. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let us begin the podcast. Well, folks, this week is Passion Week. This is a time in church calendar where we set our hearts, our minds to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But not just that, his defeat of death, hell and the grave, his resurrection, that faithful Sunday. And that is what legitimizes all of the claims of Jesus, of the prophets. That's what gives credence to his teachings. That is what has redeemed us from sin, from the penalties, the evil of sin. The Bible tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us. The spirit of God has been given to us through the victory of Jesus on the cross. That same spirit leads, guides, empowers us, is present with us in trial, in affliction, gives us joy so that we may celebrate. His spirit is with us and his spirit is testament to his victory, his glorious triumph over the enemies of humanity. And typically during this week, uh, many in the church would uh, commit to a kind of devotion, reading plan uh, to help frame their heart, their mind, even as they build towards celebrating Easter Sunday. Some would uh, recount uh, that, that journey from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday and recounting each event that happened on each day. Some would... Uh, go through this journey called uh, the Stations of the Cross. My favorite devotional or uh, framework uh, to uh, adopt uh, even as I you know, spend this significant week contemplating on the death and resurrection of Jesus is uh, thinking about his final words on the cross. Uh, and traditionally, uh, these final statements uh, have been described as final words, and there are seven final words. And that's what we're going to be uh, diving into uh, through uh, this uh, series of podcasts. Each and every single word, I believe, is absolutely significant and it helps uh, frame our minds and our hearts as we celebrate Easter this Sunday. But not just that, no, it. It stirs up, I believe, a deep gratitude and appreciation for what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. And so the first of these seven words that we're going to explore is the word of forgiveness. The word of forgiveness. This was, of course, the start of the pains that Jesus would endure on the cross. But in many ways, it is also the end of a culmination of events. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus came and dwelt among men. He tabernacled among men. He came in the form of a baby boy that fateful Christmas morning, that fateful first Christmas morning. And at his birth, there was no room 
in the inn which foreshadowed the kind of treatment that he was to receive at the hands of men. And shortly after his birth, Herod sought to kill him, sought to slay him. And this kind of hostility we see, uh, you know, all through his life and it ultimately culminates at the cross. It was the climax of man's enmity. And again and again, you know, we see his enemies all through scripture plotting and attempting to bring about his destructions. And now at the cross, the Son of God had yielded himself up into their hands. A mock trial had been gone through and through his judges, and though his judges found no fault in him, nevertheless, they had to yield to the incessant, insistent clamoring of those who hated him as they cried again and again, crucify him. And so Jesus was on a cross, and the first of these seven final crossings was a word of forgiveness toward those who had sought his harm, towards those who were harming him in that present moment. And in praying for his enemies, not only did Christ set for us a perfect example for how we should treat those who wrong and hate us, but he also taught us never to regard anyone as beyond the reach of prayer. If Christ could pray for his murderers, for those who plot in sadistic and evil ways toward him, then surely we can pray for those who have wronged us. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the gospel to which we proclaim. Just think of Jesus living that day. In that day, the Jewish people had an idea or an ideal of what a Messiah figure would be. They would... Uh, have expected and longed for an avenging kind of messiah, someone who would come and war against uh, the oppressors, war against all who were opposed to the people of God, uh, like a strong military leader commanding armies to wage war and violence against their enemies. But Jesus came as a baby born in a manger, grew up proclaiming this gospel of peace, healing the sick, and then eventually giving up his life on the cross with no less than a prayer of love and forgiveness on his lips. Jesus could have very well exacted vengeance and violence on those whom were putting him to death, but instead he forgave them, proclaiming those famous words of scripture, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Forgiveness lies at the heart of God's project to set right a world that has gone so wrong. And we see in our world, violence begetting more and more violence. It's almost as though it's an endless cycle of retaliation, of vengeance, of revenge, country to country, person to person. Forgiveness is God's solution to end this perpetuation of violence and vengeance that has so poisoned our world. And Jesus, through his act on the cross, inaugurated a new way for us to be human. No longer do we need to be susceptible to the ways of the world, to the violent avenging ways of the world. We get to be people who quite literally disrupt the cycle of vengeance with a prayer of love and forgiveness. 
Only forgiveness has the capacity to rescue our society, rescue humankind or humanity from the destructive vortex of violence and vengeance and give us a healing alternative. Forgiveness is how God heals the world. Forgiveness is the miracle cure, not the cheap kind of forgiveness that turns a blind eye or is a kind of forgiveness, but a costly forgiveness, one that knows full well the evils and the ills committed, but in spite of that, still chooses to forgive because Jesus has so modeled for us such a transcendent forgiveness. However, for us, this will not sound appealing unless we first of all realize that on a personal level, we ourselves have been recipients of the forgiveness that flows from the cross. The Bible describes our fallen nature, our fallen state, as ones who are opposed to God, transgressors, aliens, uh, alienated from his sight, super strong language. But because of the work of Jesus on the cross, that forgiveness that transcends even the evil that we commit, we are now accepted and grafted into God's kingdom. To be a Christian is to believe that saving forgiveness is found in the cross. But to be a Christian also means to take up the cross in a deliberate imitation of Jesus. It is a call for us to pick up our cross and follow him, to follow his example, his way. And I'd like to say to you today that the way of Jesus is the way of forgiveness. Canadian theologian and pastor Brad Josek reminds us, as he says, Christ's teachings and Christ's death on the cross are not two separate issues. Christ's way, the narrow path, is the road of loving and forgiving even unto death. And he didn't say, let me do that for you. He said, come die with me. We turn the gospel into cheap grace when we think of the cross only in terms of what Jesus has done for us. But the cross reveals to all of us, followers of Jesus, the way we are called to follow, the way of endless enemy love. Even as I record this podcast, there is a framed quote on my desk, and it's a quote uh, attributed to Fyodor Dostoevsky when he said, Beauty will save the world. Beauty will save the world. You know, I think of that account of Jesus' crucifixion, that Roman centurion standing at the foot of the cross. And scripture tells us that at the end of Jesus' crucifixion, he exclaims, truly, this is the Son of God. Now, what would lead this Roman centurion who has undoubtedly seen hundreds or perhaps even thousands of crucifixion to come to that conclusion? My personal theory is that he had never seen a man who would take on the cross, be nailed, be mocked, be shamed, be bruised and tortured, and yet do so with a prayer of love and forgiveness for his enemies. That is what I believe led him to that amazing conclusion. And so even in the most grotesque of executions, the darkest day in human history came forth such transcendent beauty 
that awakened in this Roman centurion a divine revelation of God. Beauty came out of ugly, light came out of darkness. The divine power of forgiveness was seen in the evil of the cross. And this is the good news of the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we celebrate Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. All of our transgressions, our sins, our evil, past, present and future have been paid for on the cross. Jesus has extended his loving forgiveness toward us just as he did to the ones who shamed and killed him. That is the beauty of the gospel. We are no longer alienated and enemies of God because of our transgressions. But today we have been forgiven. And what was once the darkness of our soul and the deeds that we have committed now testifies of the glory of God's abounding love and kindness toward us that He would forgive us even while we were yet sinners. That is the gospel. But a call on believers who have now received of this grace is to follow in the example of Jesus and forgive those who have harmed and wronged us. That is the way of Christ. This is a simple yet profound and utterly challenging call for the believer. And we're starting off our Passion Week series with this call to forgiveness. And so let's spend some moments right now just even being reminded that we have been forgiven, that we don't earn our way into the kingdom, that it's not by our works or the good that we do that we earn our way into God's favor, good books, but it's through Christ, through his blood shed for you that you have been forgiven. I love this line from an old-timey preacher that it is not good people who are saved, but forgiven people who are saved. And today, let's just take a moment and be reminded of how we have been forgiven much. And maybe you've committed some stuff in the recent months, weeks, or days that you feel this tremendous sense of guilt for. And you have felt that you can't approach God's presence because you are guilty and unclean and sinful. Well, the good news is that Jesus came for you. Jesus came for people like that, ones who felt guilty, alienated, ostracized, pushed out because of their uh, imperfections. Jesus came for you. And so today, let's spend a moment with our hands lifted before us. Let's ask for God's presence to come upon us, His forgiveness to be extended to us. If you have partaken in any kind of sin in recent times, I invite you right now, in your own words, to profess your sin before God. Say, God, I have sinned in this way. I have committed these things. I have wronged you in these ways. And God, I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me, O God. I thank you for your blood that you have given me so that I may be clean, forgiven, set free, and accepted into your kingdom. And God, I ask that from today, 
I will indeed repent and walk in a different way. Give me grace, O God. And now let's ask for God to even reveal to us ones that we have to forgive, that we have to let go of kind of offense that we have carried in our hearts. Let us even make a decision in light of what Jesus has done for us on the cross to let go of these stones, to let go of these offenses such that we may be truly free. They said that it is the offended who are held in a kind of prison cell by their own will and by their own device. And today you hold the keys to that cell, that metaphorical cell. And it's through forgiveness that you are set free. And so let's invite the Spirit to speak to us, even now. Spirit, speak to us for who we are to forgive, offenses that we have held close to our hearts. Reveal them, O God. We ask for your grace, such that we may forgive, such that we may walk in your ways, O God. Even as the Spirit is bringing these memories to your mind and, and surfacing these offenses, I ask right now for God's Spirit and grace to come upon you. May His tangible presence be felt upon you wherever you're at, in your homes, on your way to work, as you recline and rest at night. May His grace be felt even in this moment. Let's spend a few moments leaning into the Spirit's voice and allowing for God's grace to meet us in our weakness and brokenness. Let's spend a few moments doing so. Awesome. Amen. I hope that you had, have heard the Spirit's leading, even in this time, and have experienced His grace. This concludes uh, day one of our devotional series all the way through to Easter Sunday. I look forward to uh, seeing you, or rather you tuning in to tomorrow's podcast. Have a great day and hit grace and peace to you.